Welcome to the Cross Sands Christian Centre podcast. Based in the small Welsh village of Cross Sands in Carmarthenshire, we've always been passionate about sharing God's love with our local community. And now, thanks to the podcast, we can share that love even more widely. Wherever you're listening to this podcast in the world, we pray it will be a blessing to you. Sending much love from us and God to you. Thank you for listening. Morning all. So, the, uh, the fourth of John's miraculous signs uh, is the feeding of the 5,000. So that's uh, the sort of thing we're going to have a look at. But actually, as I discovered when I was going through this, the feeding of the 5,000 isn't actually the sign. Oh, oh, that's interesting. I'd never thought. It's always labelled the miraculous, the feeding of the 5,000. And that was miraculous. But that isn't actually what John thinks the sign is, which is quite fascinating. Now, you find that uh, the feeding of the 5,000 is in chapter 6 of John's Gospel. And in fact, both the, 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 uh, the sorry, the fourth, the fourth of John's signs is found in chapter five, 6. I'll get this right in a minute of John's Gospel. But in fact, you've got both the fourth and the fifth sign, because the fourth sign, uh, the fourth miracle that he's declaring as a sign is the feeding of the 5,000. And the fifth sign is when Jesus walks on water. Um, and so we're going to take a look, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to try and do both. And in fact, so you'll, we'll leave out that middle chunk of, uh, uh, of John chapter 6, uh, which is talking about the, uh, the Jesus walking on the water. And we'll do that the next time I'm due to do something with you here. So John chapter 6 and verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. Begs the question, sometime after what? Because at the end of chapter 5, I think yeah, we, were, we were in Jerusalem, and uh, now it's sometime after this, and it becomes very clear, very obviously, that we're no longer in Jerusalem. So I thought that, uh, you know, given that um, this miracle is in all four Gospels, I might take a look at the parallel passages in the other four Gospels, three Gospels, to work out what sometime after this uh, was actually meaning. Advanced Gospel, chapter 6, verse 30, it starts by saying, the, the apostles gather around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. So this was when the, the disciples came back from being sent out by Jesus. Jesus had sent them out with the instructions to go out and uh, teach in his way and, and, and uh, doing various miracles in the, uh, in the places that he went. So, the, so it's at the point when his disciples have just come back and have been doing lots of exciting things and they've come to report to him uh, that Mark then takes us on to the feeding of the 5,000. So it implies that quite a bit of time may have passed um, with that statement sometime after this. Um, as we said, the end of chapter 5, they were in Jerusalem. Chapter 6, sometime after this, in Galilee. And in fact, verse 4 of John says, the Jewish Passover fast festival was near. Uh, which means to me is John's laying down a date marker. So John is saying, this is near the Jewish Passover. And sometime after this, the Jewish Passover the last time he was there was in Jerusalem and he wasn't there for the Jewish Passover, but he was there for another feast. Because if you look back to John chapter 5, he, you know, they'd gone to Jerusalem for a feast, but John doesn't tell us which one it was, but it wasn't a previous Passover. So the previous Passover would have been about a year. 
So presumably it may be the Feast of Tabernacles or something like that. So at least six months has passed when he says sometime after this. Um, uh, so Mark chapter 6, uh, as I say, we, 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 just as he starts the account of the feeding of the 5,000, that the rest of his chapter is about the disciples being, being sent out. Matthew, on the other hand, his parallel passage, passage says this, Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing on this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. When he had heard what had happened. And that was the beheading of John the Baptist. So that's what's happened in this intervening period, in this six months. So we've got the disciples being sent out and also the account of John's being beheaded at the feast, uh, Herod's feast, where, his daughter, where Herod, Herodotus's daughter-in-law asked for the head of John the Baptist. And John, you know, Herod didn't want to do this, but he couldn't not do it and he couldn't be let down. And of course, uh, Matthew tells us that... Um, Jesus, uh, John's followers had come to tell, to find Jesus and tell him about the beheading of John. And John, of course, was his cousin. So here we have, uh, with those simple words, <laughs> sometime after this, John doesn't tell us what's going on in Jesus' head, but you've got all sorts of mixed emotions going on there. We've got one lot of people, one bunch of people turning up and in great excitement, his disciples getting back to him. So on the one hand, he's filled with listening to their stories and he's buoyed up by all their stories. And on the other hand, he's got this devastating news that his, uh, his cousin has been beheaded by Herod. And Jesus is, we are told, like you and I, and he will feel those emotions. And yet, he has compassion on the people. And the first thing is, you know, this is Jesus. Jesus has compassion, has feelings, and wants still to, to, to play out for us, to work for us, to take us to places where uh, you know, they, they, they haven't even, at this point, even gone to. So Jesus has compassion on those, on those people. So let's read John's account, if we can, of the feeding of the 5,000. This is John chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these, for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And of course, we know that's 5,000 men, plus one little boy, presumably all the other children, and of course, all the women. So... We don't know how many were people were there, but there was an awful lot of them that, uh, that Jesus was about to, to, to feed. Jesus then took the, the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. 
And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is a prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Now, as I said, the feeding is what we always think of as the miracle. I mean, you know, it was miraculous for all of that. But it's the gathering that is probably what John wants to emphasise here. It's the gathering up of the what's left over and putting it in 12 baskets. That's what, that's what John is trying to emphasise. That's what is John's sign, I think, in all of this. Um, so having got the people thinking and wondering, Jesus then goes off by himself uh, because he, 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 because he, they know that what they're saying is that, they, you know, that here is a, um, uh, somebody who they wanted to, intended to make a king by force. So he, he withdrew from him, from themselves. And it's at that point that uh, he, Jesus disappears off on his own, uh, which is how, the, how this, the, the disciples, the 12 disciples, get separated from Jesus and end up in the boat on their own, which is the next part which we'll do uh, the next time. So I'm going to take to move us on to Jesus's explanation, and that's why um, God is over, our great Jehovah comes in, because of course we're going to get the bread of heaven bit coming in at this at, during his explanation with all of this. So John, uh, chapter six, verses twenty-four. Once the this is now the next day. Once the crowd realised that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found, found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? That's not their question, and that's not what Jesus answers. It's lovely. <coughs> Jesus, instead of answering that, because he knows they're not interested in when he got there, they're interested in who he is. They've had time to think about what happened yesterday. He withdrew because he, d- he, didn't, want, he didn't want to become their military leader uh, yeah, and, and that's what they were, their plans were. So his answer is, and remember, I'm now going to retranslate this for you. Je- this is verse 26. Jesus answered, Amen, Amen. Remember? Verily, verily I say to you, this, Amen, Amen. The Greek is Amen, Amen. I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Now, if you were a Jewish listener, um, what do you think? What would, what, what would you think that, that, they had wit- that, that when they witnessed the miracle of the gathering of the pieces and were told, do not work for food that spoils. What do you think they would think of? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, I'm on fire. Exactly. <laughs> the Jewish person hearing, hearing sort of, uh, do not work for, do not work for the food that spoils, is going to think of the manna from heaven. So what happened 
when they gathered up the manna, what happens in that story? You give me one fine, give me what happens. They gather up, what were the instructions? They were told to take enough just for that day. Yeah. Um, and then they weren't, they weren't to collect on the, on the Sabbath. They had to take twice as much that day and it wouldn't go bad. But if the greedy people took it, they then took too much, it did go bad. Yeah, it's spoiled. That's the, yeah. that's the key. Now, Jesus is now saying, gathering, gather up, uh, gather up, the, where was it? Um, uh, do not work for the food that spoils. And he's, he's immediately alluding to that. And they know that he's alluding to that. Um, uh, so I looked at that word that's translated wasted. And it's, and it's interesting, you know, you think so. Oh, I thought to myself, what was he going to do with these 12 baskets of bread that were not wasted? I mean, what do you do with the bread that's left over? Give it to the peacock. Give it to the birds. Yes. So, you know, it's not as if that food on the hillside would have been wasted. You know, that was, you know, there's, there's plenty of scavengers that would have loved it, would have had a real feast on that. And we, we're not told what he did with those 12 baskets that were gathered up. But they weren't wasted. Now, so something must have been done with them. <coughs> they didn't, oh, Viv obviously keeps it to one side and then takes it out the next day and feeds it. But there's no, and we're not talking about feeding birds here. We're talking about, presumably, he had some use for those 12 baskets full of food. Because the, the, the word, when I looked up the word for wasted, it's apolomi, I think, whatever, however you say it. And, it. and it means to destroy, to put out of the way entirely, to abolish, to put to an end, ruin, render useless, to kill, to declare that one must be put to death, and metaphorically to give over to the eternal misery and hell, to perish, lost, ruined, destroyed. And the picture from, from the manner of, uh, in, in the desert was that it was, you know, it was completely spoiled. And I, don't, I didn't go back into the Hebrew and all that sort of thing, but it's completely spoiled. And <coughs> Jesus is, you know, deliberately gets, gathers up all of that and said, this is not to be wasted. And he makes a, a, a real parallel, which they immediately get, because it tells us, but he makes this immediate parallel between the bread of heaven that, that, that God provided for Moses and where you're at now, what you've got now. This is now, this is what, you know, the bread, I am, as he comes in a minute, I am the bread of heaven in all of this. So, uh, <coughs> if we go on to John chapter 6, verses 28 and 29, then they asked him, what must, we, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Just believe. That's the message of Jesus. But do they? Certainly not. The next thing they say, verses 13 and 31, so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see to it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So, told you, their mind went straight to the manna from heaven. And yet they can't see what he's just done. He's, you know, he's given a sign then. I've just given you the sign. You know, I've just given you the sign. I've given you these 12 baskets that now will not be wasted. God gave you the manna. You took too much. It wastes. 
I've given you these 12 baskets of bread and bits and pieces of fish, presumably, so they will not be wasted. So the parallel, then they just don't get it. They just do not see the difference between the two. <coughs> so, uh, verse 32, 33, Jesus said to them, Amen, Amen, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34, Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And here it comes. Jesus then declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, just believe, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Firstly, he says, I am. And he immediately, in their ears, they are hearing him declaring himself as Almighty God. Because this is the declaration from the Old Testament that, uh, that, uh, that, that they, they hear from, the, from, from Jesus declaring to um, Abraham. I almost got his name. Abraham. I tell them, I am that I am. I've got it written down somewhere in here. But it's the first of seven I am's that John declares in this gospel. And obviously, I'm running out of miracles, but maybe I'm just going to get a whole load of I am's as an alternative to, uh, to go to, because this is the first of them. We've nearly finished the miracles, the signs, so perhaps that's somewhere uh, we, should, we should go later. Uh, God said to Moses, I am... Oh, it was God said to Moses. It wasn't... Uh, I thought he said to, to Abraham as well. Did he say it? No, but he's, nobody's, nobody's, nobody's obviously disagreeing with me one no, way or the other. I think it was, no, it was Moses, because didn't he say, like, all the people say, if, like, he says, I am, tell them I am sent you. Yeah. If the people don't believe me or whatever. Yeah, it was Moses. Yeah, God said to Moses, yeah, I know it's, it says Moses in the bit I pulled out yeah, as my yeah, reference, and when I said Abraham earlier. Yeah, but nobody criticized Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'll have to Moses. go back to Abraham and think about that again. But uh, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And so, you know, in no doubt, be in no doubt, they knew, uh, because they get quite upset about all of this, that God is, that uh, Jesus is declaring himself God. Uh, verses 36 to 40. But as I have told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, do not, uh, sorry, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. And of course, that full declaration is the one that causes the, the problems, for particularly the Jewish leaders, but even, and although it's the bits of the passage that we won't go into until next time, uh, you find that what Jesus is saying during this, this discourse, many of them had trouble with, and, and you'll find in the, the bits we're not reading that many of them actually deserted, many of these, the extended disciples, this 5,000, went off on their own way, uh, leaving Jesus to his own devices. They just, they just stopped believing him and went away. They were no longer listening. 
So verses 41 to 46. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Now, when Jesus says they will be taught by God, again, the Jewish hearer hears more than those words because they know their scriptures backwards. And this is from Isaiah. And the passage in Isaiah is, uh, you know, remember I said before, the, the Jews, when they hear the one key phrase, fill in everything else around it. And we've got to go to that passage because we don't know what, and uh, they will be taught by God, means in the wider context. But in the wider context, God is taught, uh, in that passage in Isaiah, Isaiah is talking about the new Jerusalem. And he says this, afflicted city, which is Jerusalem, lashed by storms and not comforted. I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with lapis lazuli. I will make your battlements of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, and all your walls of precious stones. All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. That's revelation, isn't it, Carol? <laughs> and of course, John goes on to write revelation. I mean, Jesus is talking into all of the old scriptures that he is coming to fulfill. And this is about his return in due time and the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth. And if you read the description of the, 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 the new Jerusalem in the book of Revelation, which John writes after this gospel, you see him talking about the stones and the gates and all the, you know, you know, all the preciousness of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the new Jerusalem. So they knew they'd be going back to Isaiah and he was referencing that as well in this particular context. 53 to 58, Jesus said to them, the last time, Amen, Amen, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, this bit, if you see it out of context, even in the modern day, we have difficulties with some of this. And this is when they were having similar difficulties. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up in the last day. For my flesh is real and, and for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And there is a load of grumbling and there's a load of people who don't like what he's saying and this doesn't make a lot of sense because they are thinking of getting the knives and forks out and eating his flesh. Well, that's not what he's saying. He's talking metaphorically and he's actually speaking into 
what he then came to do in due course. Because he, he doesn't give the full explanation, but I think there's a degree of frustration creeping in with Jesus at this particular point, because they don't get the idea that what he's saying is, is all you've got to do is believe that, uh, that God sent me to save you. Uh, and, the, and, and when he, you, you, that's per se, that passage doesn't make sense if you try and read it, read it literally. It only begins to make sense when you come to the night before he goes to the cross of Calvary. And what he then does, he says, this is my body, this is my flesh broken for you. This is my blood that is shed for you. And he's saying, you know, you, you believe in me, use this as a way of understanding what I was talking about when I was talking about you must eat my flesh and eat my, drink my blood. He's not talking literally, he's talking metaphorically about taking in all that Jesus means, all he taught, all his ways, and live his way. And that's what he's saying as he, as, he, as, he, as, he, as he gets to this part. By that, the voice of frustration creeping in, I think, from Jesus' point of view when he, when he does that. And of course, we come at this point now to the, uh, to, to the breaking of bread, because that's uh, what it leads into very, very specifically. But the, for that feast is the explanation that comes later of what he was meaning in terms of what he was saying from, from this point of view. So that's our fifth, fourth sign, and the fifth sign we'll pick up next time, uh, but, which is the walking on water. But in the meantime, we'll, we'll go into the breaking of bread and, the, and drinking of wine. That is the feast that he initiated and he was speaking about at that particular point in that area. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We do pray it's been a blessing to you. If you have any questions or you need to reach out to anyone for support, please know that you can find us now on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Cross Hands Christian Centre.